We are in a series called The Bible. And what I want to do is I want you, by the time this series is over, to have a confidence in the Bible like you've never had before. I want you to understand the Bible like you never have before. And I want you to be able to open up and actually be able to read in every area of the Bible and get what God wants you to get out of it. Now, let's get really honest. Uh, The vast majority of us, before we were Christians, unless you were raised in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Bill, were you raised in a Christian home? Okay, David? Okay, I'm the only heathen. But I'll tell you what, when you're not a Christian and you open the Bible, they're like, what do you do? I don't know if you guys realize that. Like I opened the Bible. I was at a Bible study before I was a believer and they said, go to the book of Job and I couldn't find it. I looked in the table of, con- true story. I looked in the table of contents. I saw a book called Job, but I thought that was like the jobs you do. I didn't know there was a Job. And, and so what happened is I was brand new to all this. So I want you to know all of you who are brand new like I was, I want to be able to give you enough sense of the scriptures that when you open it up, you're able to dig and get more more out right away. And so that's what we're doing. And that's what we're talking about. Now, last week we saw something. We saw that there's an old and a new Testament. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk about more why next week. But what I want you to understand is this, the new Testament, which is so incredible, does not cancel out the old Testament. It fulfills it. Uh, in other words, you need both the old and the new to have the Bible. And so you have both old and new to have the Bible and the New Testament doesn't cancel out the Old Testament. So what we need to understand is that God provided the Bible to us, the Old and New Testament. God protected the Bible. It's not been changed. It's not been messed up. I got into that a little in the first couple of weeks of this. I'll get in deeper uh, in the coming weeks that we have evidence that is so overwhelming that what we have today is what God gave to us that you can trust it completely so we can have confidence in the Bible. So the Bible says this, God tells you this, the way the Bible came about is he provided it to us by inspiring men or in the word inspire means God breathed. He, he inspired men to write the scriptures, and his hand was upon them as he wrote. In other words, every word that was written is what he wanted written. And he had his hand upon them. His spirit was within them. And then he breathed life into the words they wrote. So the Bible is not a book written by men. It's a book authored by God. And so I want you to be aware of that. And the entire Bible, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is a gift from God. And I'm going to say this again. The New Testament does not cancel out the Old Testament. It brings a richer meaning to it. And so you and I need to be aware of that. So we're to read. We're to study. Uh, We're to devour the Bible as God's message to us because in it, you're gonna find the mind of God and the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And God wants it for you. God wants it for you. The Bible gives us instructions for how to live our lives. The Bible gives us perseverance so we can make it through the tough times and it gives us encouragement so we can know that good things are gonna come our way anyway. The Bible gives us hope and you and I, man, we so need hope. We're living in a world today where people need hope. Mm-hmm. So in Romans 15 verse four, it says this, for whatever was written in earlier times, and I'm gonna stop there. What Paul is talking about, and Paul's the author of Romans, Paul is saying The Old Testament. Now, this verse only is about the Old Testament. Now, it can apply beyond that, but he's specifically talking about the Old Testament, which is what we're going to dig into tonight. It says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction 
So it's for us today to read and study, for us to instruct us about our life, and so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. We might have hope. So get ready for this. And again, I'm going to teach you this even more. The principles of the Old Testament apply to your life because whatever was written in earlier times is for our instruction. And those principles guide our life. Um, The promises of the Old Testament are for you if you're a born-again believer. Then, then those promises are yours to treasure and to see actualized in your life. And the prophecies of the Old Testament are not only about things that have already occurred, which prove, by the way, the Bible is true. And in the last couple of weeks of our series, I'm going to go into the prophecies of the Bible mm-hmm. and how the Bible is 100% prophetically accurate. But don't miss this. Many, many, many of those prophecies have not yet been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fulfilled in our day and our time. For instance, you might ask, which one? Well, in Isaiah chapter 3 and in Isaiah chapter 4, at least the beginning of chapter 4, we see a prophecy about a time that's going to come when women, and maybe specifically women in the Mediterranean area, but by the way, in the Middle East and maybe beyond, they're going to have scabby heads. Their heads are going to be, all their hair is going to fall out. Their skin's going to rot on their body. Their eye sockets are going to sink in. Okay, you don't think that's funny. No. (laughs) Okay, Tracy, this is like one of my favorite things, you guys. But by the way, do you guys catch what that's actually describing? Because back then, nobody wanted to know. Do you know what that actually would... What would make your hair fall out, scabs develop, uh, your your teeth begin to rot, your skin rot? Radiation. Radiation poisoning. Yes, yes, yes. It's radiation poisoning from a nuclear exchange. By the way, the Bible talks about in the last days, there'll not be one but at least two major exchanges of atomic warfare that'll take place. And we see the devastation occurred, including women who will actually undergo that kind of horror. And what gets really scary is it says seven women will chase one man. <laughs> oh okay, Bill, what do you think? <laughs> it's not the walking dead, it's the running dead. Uh, so <laughs> that actually says that. I'm having way too much fun. Okay, so... Uh, what? Me too. Okay, good, good, good. So, uh, and you don't like, anyway, okay. Um, but anyway, one way though that the Bible instructs us is pretty interesting. God knows that we're people of the story. We love stories. Like you love old movies, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys love movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like old ones, new ones? Uh, newer ones. Okay. Going towards newer movies. Yeah, Tracy liked, likes both actually, but the old ones you really like, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing is we're people of the story. We love stories. And God loves that we love stories. Matter of fact, he made us, he created us to love stories. So he he puts stories of real people, people who lived historically, historical figures in the Old Testament and new, but in the Old Testament in particular, to be an example to us of how to live our lives. So instead of just giving us instruction, God gives us examples. So that's one reason we want to read and study the Old Testament. And we want to get what it says. And here's where Paul talks about that in particular. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, Paul says this. Now these things, and he's talking about what happened in the Old Testament, especially the Exodus, by the way. These things happen as an example for us so that we would not crave the evil things as they also crave. Mm-hmm. So then he goes on to say, knowing those stories, knowing those examples, he says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. And as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and they stood up to play. 
nor act, nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. That's an amazing story, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble or complain as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Now look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now we are living in the last days. We are living at the end of the ages. So right now, what Paul is saying more than ever for us is go learn from those examples. Let those examples teach you. Let them guide you. Here's the good news. By doing that, you don't have to go through your own school of hard knocks because you learn from their school of hard knocks. And so what was Paul saying to them? He said they were on their way to the promised land. Now think about that. They were on their way to this incredible moment of blessing, but they got distracted with partying. Uh, They got off course with drunkenness. They got taken down by sexual immorality and they got caught up in grumbling or complaining. Sounds a lot like COVID. (laughs) A lot of people in COVID could really relate to that. Okay. But, but Paul said, Hey, I want you to look at this and learn from this. And, and they were so close. They were so close to having the blessings of God and the promises of God and, and these incredible gifts God wanted to give them. And then most of them missed out on all of it mm-hmm. because of partying, drunkenness, sexual immorality, and complaining. And, and so God said, see, I want to let you read that story and I want you to learn from that story. And I don't want you to be caught up in that. And so what happens is we need to know this, that we are living in these very last days. And, and in these last days, we need to be careful of those very same things. Yeah, so before I go back into how the Old Testament applies, let me have you hear the words of Jesus in the New, where Jesus is talking to all of us upon whom the ends of the age have come. And it says, be on guard. So your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and worries of life. And that the day will not suddenly become upon you like a trap. That's the time of his coming, the day of his coming. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So Paul said, you would learn from their example? And then Jesus actually said this, I want to give you the very same warning. So in the times we live in, we can go and look at the Old Testament and learn from the examples in the Old Testament. And you can see uh, in the Old Testament things we should learn, things we should get right, things we should not, uh, things we should do, and things we shouldn't do. Uh, For instance, uh, when we study on Abraham, uh, and we study the story of Abraham, we see he got it right because he trusted God. And we see he got it very wrong mm-hmm. when he began to take things into his own hands, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a, a twice, actually four times, he took things into his own hands and things went south on him. And then he learned it. I got to let go and I got to trust God. Uh, by the way, I, another Old Testament character you were telling me, who's your hero? Oh, man. My favorite hero in the Old Testament would have to be uh, the story of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's one of mine too, but go ahead. Yeah, so Joseph here is a guy who, you know, did everything right you know, sought the Lord. And even in the lowest of lows when he was thrown in prison and in the highs of highs being second to the Pharaoh, mm-hmm. um, whatever God gave him as a responsibility, he was always faithful. Um, he stewarded over it well. Um, he gave glory to God, sought the Lord. 
and I'm deeply encouraged and influenced by his story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, Bill, I would totally agree. And one of the things that I was thinking of, just as you were even talking, is uh, uh, remember, one of the reasons that people fell was sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. And remember, you got to remember the story. Joseph had a girl throwing herself at him. Yeah. Yeah. And what did he do? He just ran away. Yeah, he ran. (laughs) He ran away. He he, he He fleed. (laughs) He fleed. He ran. And, And you know what? Because of that, he didn't fall. Because of that, he did not end up going down in disaster. Right. And so that, that Joseph was an amazing man uh, in the way he handled trials and suffering right. and the way he clung to promises. So he'd be one of my favorites too. Yeah. And you and I could learn from Joseph. Who would be a hero for you in the Old Testament? Oh, shoot. Um, I really like Moses and Abraham. I think um, Abraham having to sacrifice or being called to sacrifice Isaac is just a story that's hard for me to rationalize. So we, I have to always look and think, okay, what do I need to sacrifice? What is something yeah, that I'm putting good. first? So. Okay, that, mm-hmm. that, is, that is powerful. Mm-hmm. That is really powerful. Interestingly, Soren Kierkegaard said that the story of Abraham and Isaac is the second most important story in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. And if we don't understand that, we don't understand all the Bible. And of course, the first most important story is God sacrificing Jesus, mm-hmm. giving his only right. son. Right. David, who's your hero in the Bible? I'm going to have to go with King David. Oh, oh David. Yes, yes, That's yes. A really good one. Why David? Well, just, just um, reading at a young age how, um, you know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't favored much, but God still used him because he was humble mm-hmm. and God protected him all throughout his life. Mm-hmm. And then God favored him to, to be the greatest king. Yeah. One of the greatest kings. So, oh, yeah, without a doubt. One of the greatest so, kings who have yeah. ever lived of any country, any yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. So... I just love the fact that, you know, when we're humble before the Lord, broken, people may not see any worth or value in us, uh, mm. but God does. That's good. So. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Andy was a songwriter, so yeah, you, yeah, you were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stringed instrument, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. You know, I always think about this. David got it right when he worshiped God, yeah. and then gave, David got it wrong when he looked at Bathsheba, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he gazed way too yeah. long. Uh, but yeah. here's the thing. In the Bible, they don't gloss over the failures. They don't take away from what happened because God wants you to see the real people for who they were and to know that even if you have a fall like David had, Mm -hmm. that God says one day you still can be a man after my own heart. You still can rise up. You still can be restored. And and so we see that from God in an incredible way. By the way, his son Solomon got it right. Uh, The way he led Israel, at least initially, and the way he built the temple. And he got it wrong when he married 700 women. (laughs) And had 300 concubines on top of that. Okay, that's like, by the way, big mistake. 700 wives, way too many. Uh, (laughs) Two wives, way too many. But anyway, uh, but but see what you do is you go and you start learning from those examples. So the Old Testament has these amazing way of teaching us by going and learning from the examples. So the other thing I want you to grab hold of, though, is that the Old Testament gives you amazing promises that you should claim, that you should hold on to. In Ephesians 2.11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles. Now, uh, if you're brand new to all this, we got to explain it. In the Bible, it mainly puts humanity into one of two categories. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. A Jew means you're a promised, you're one of the promised people, the chosen people. Uh, And so the Jewish people were the children of Abraham, and they also had the promises of Abraham. 
Anybody who was not a Jew was called a Gentile. And uh, it, that actually started to become a racial slur uh, after a while, uh, where basically a Gentile, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in, even today in Israel, there are many Orthodox Jews that believe that dogs are more important than Gentiles, mm-hmm. that dogs have more value than Gentiles. And by the way, you guys need to know, uh, the term dog there doesn't have the same joyous meaning it does for all of us who love dogs. Uh, so anyway, uh, so when he says this, I want you to know you who were not formerly a part of the chosen race is who he's talking to. He goes to Gentiles. And by the way, I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile. We're all Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time, this is before you were a Christian, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and don't miss this line, this is the big one, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So what what Paul is saying here is remember before you were a Christian, you were a stranger to the covenant of promise. But after you're a Christian, you're a partaker of the covenant of promise. That's what he's getting at. So he's saying, now, if you're a Jew, know that the Christians are accepted too. Know that we get this too. Know that we are a part of Abraham's uh, uh, inheritance too. And so it doesn't matter whether you're Lebanese or or I don't even know what I am. I'm just a whole big mixture of (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have no real race. Um, but, but here's the thing is, is that we all become Christians then and we're all part of the family of God and we all are partakers of the promise. The promises of the Old Testament. Uh, let me give you a for instance. And by the way, I know I'm, I want you to hang in. Don't miss this one. If, if you don't get a whole lot else, don't miss this. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 31. The great promise given to the nation of Israel if they would follow God of a new covenant and a new day. This is where the New Testament comes in. That the Old Testament would give birth to a New Testament. The Old Covenant to a New Covenant. And that was the great, great promise to the nation of Israel and to all of us who would choose to follow God and become partakers of the promises of the Old Testament. So it says this in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant with which I made their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant or testament with them, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, that I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it. This could be for you, by the way. Some of you need to hear this. Some of this is true already. He said, I will be their God. God wants to be your God and they shall be my people. God wants you to be his people, his family. That you're my people. You're my people. You're my family. And in verse 34, it says, they will not teach again each man according to his neighbor, each man to his brother saying, know the Lord. Now, don't, don't, I read that quick and I don't want to go past it. He said, no one's going to have to teach you to know God. No one's going to have to teach you to have that relationship with God. Why? For they will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. That promise was to Judah. That promise was to the nation of Israel. And that promise is to you and me when we open our hearts to Jesus and commit our lives to Jesus. That promise of all of our sins being forgiven. And by the way, let me say this. 
There is no sin you could commit more powerful than the blood of Jesus mm. Christ wow. to make you free and to make you clean. Yeah. No guilt, no shame. God wants none of that upon you. Mm-hmm. He wants you to be his people. He wants you to be his child. And that promise we just read is the New Testament. That's the new covenant. That's what God wants for you. But if it's born out of the old covenant, that old testament, then we might find fulfillment of it. And so that promise is for us. And I want to ask you a question. This is the biggest question I can ask right now. Where are you in your relationship with God? Because you're as close as you want to be. Wow. You're as close as you want to be. And he wants you closer. Mm-hmm. He wants you closer. So that's, that's one of the most amazing promises. Uh, by the way, let me give you another example. We're giving examples of promises. Uh, David, you said this is one of your favorite promises for the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it comes from Proverbs, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Mm-hmm. So I want you to grab that. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That part's a little bigger than you think it is. But it says that when you do that, he promises to guide you. Why? God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, another promise. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God has plans for you that way. And God is saying to you and God is saying to me, trust me, trust me, trust me. And there's gonna be times it doesn't make sense. There's going to be times you're wondering, why? Why is that the case? Tracy, (laughs) we have that in our history, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened where you thought all of a sudden God stirred something and then it for a while didn't make sense? Yes. So I I am Pastor Chuck's assistant. So, uh, and I've been working for you for over three years now, which is really cool. I love working for you. But um, I used to be a recruiter before and I went to Kenya for the first time in 2017. And uh, I thought it would be cool to to not work at my job anymore. I was like, man, how cool would it be just to do ministry? So um, I thought I would apply to the church. And um, I just kind of took a shot in the dark. I, I think I applied for like a, a random position. And, uh, and I got rerouted to uh, interview as your assistant. My first time meeting you was in our interview, you yeah. and Pam. And I remember being super starstruck. I was like, okay, this is Pastor Chuck and Pam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I interviewed and um, I did not get the job. And I was like, all right. I prayed about it before I went into the interview. And I was like, God, if you want me to stay at my job, I'll stay and it'll be great. If you want me to work at the church, I'll get the job and it'll also be great. And I didn't get the job. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just work at my job. I ended up getting a promotion. I was making more money. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to stay at my job. It's great. Uh, And I still was coming to this church because I love this church. Um, Maybe six months later, I get a call from the church. And they're like, hey, are you still interested in being Pastor Chuck's assistant? And I was like, what? God, I don't get it. <laughs> I thought you were clear. I thought I was supposed to stay at my job. And, uh, and so I went through the process again. And the whole time I was like, all right, God, like, I don't know if I understand what's going on, but just help guide me through it because I don't know what you want me to do right now. And um, I, I mean, I, I took the job, so I'm your assistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? Here's what I want to bring out of what Tracy said it, is a lot of what happened didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, she was a, a stellar employee where she was coming from. Uh, I would call it an executive level employee in the mm-hmm. Wyndham Corporation. 
So almost as it makes sense, you would come be my assistant from that, which let me give you, give me some grace here. Uh, when I saw Tracy and Pam and I were looking, we thought, she's way overqualified. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, but, but that was uh, one factor. There were some other things that went on mm-hmm. too, where God was stirring and moving. Mm-hmm. But then after all the events occurred, it became very, very clear to, to us, if we could have anybody that would be perfect for this position, it would be you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we thought, do we reach out after we said, I mean, does that make sense? Uh, but God kept saying, you got to, you got to, you got to. And so we did. Yep. And that six months of me being at my job, God prepared my heart even more for this job. Wow. So there's for sure, there's for sure so many reasons. Again, I don't understand and we're not supposed to understand like Proverbs said, but, um, but it, it prepared my heart so much for this. And so it's good. Yeah, so when you came on staff with us, um, one of the things that, and I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, I'm going to have you talk about this. You know, you've, you know, this is one of my passions as we pray, then plan, pray, then plan. Totally. And uh, I, by the way, you guys need to, it's out of Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So we don't make plans and ask God to bless our plans. Mm-hmm. We pray. Very often the elders will fast and pray for 40 days, and we agree not to talk during that time. So we don't try to taint the process and mm-hmm. just get a lot, let God speak to us. So talk about how that felt to come from the corporate world to, to that kind of leadership. Oh, yeah. So first, just praying in general. I mean, you don't, I, I, didn't, I never prayed with anyone at my last job. So this was really cool. My first staff meeting, we had prayer and worship. And I was like, wow, this is, this is my job now. It's, it was just super cool. But the first elder retreat that I got a chance to... Um, to put on was um, in 2018, and uh, this was my first time experiencing the whole, all right, they're going to fast for 40 days, and then come, and we're going to hear how God spoke to each elder, and uh, they all had the same, um, there was like a common thread through everything you guys said, and I was like, all right, this is cool, because they didn't talk about it beforehand, but it was really cool that we were in the midst of Boldly Go, and uh, something that the elders had was they wanted to make online uh, more of a priority, and so it was cool, because I mean, what, two years later, COVID hit where online became all we had. And so to see God orchestrate that in, um, in the prayer and then the planning for, and it just prepared us in a position of strength for COVID, for 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things that, Tracy, I know you knew is a lot of people after the elder retreat said, wait, 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 are we not doing our original vision? And I said, no, we are, but we believe online's a big part of that. And it was out of nowhere. Mm. And, uh, but what Tracy brought out that's really cool, whenever our elders fast and pray, we, we come in the room and all of a sudden we're all saying, this is what God told me. We just go around the room. Mm-hmm. And by the way, these are not yes men. <laughs> they are not yes yeah. men. And we're actually very different from each other. And so when you have that commonality, you go, well, it, almost to the point it gets emotional and, mm-hmm. and awe-inspiring. And when I walked out and thought, all right, we're going to start doing online. We're going to do that bigger and then when we got the word we couldn't meet, in one moment, we went completely online and Crossroads grew and didn't shrink. Right. Crossroads impact got bigger, wow. not less. Mm-hmm. We started reaching more people and I think we're doing discipleship better than we ever have before. But it all goes to a group of godly men who said, all right, God's telling us to do that and that's what we're going to do. And we stuck to our guns and did it. Mm-hmm. And you got to be a part of that whole process. Mm-hmm. Uh, another time that happened, and uh, this will probably get emotional for me, so I'll try not to, to get too emotional. But um, prior to that, probably around 2010, 11, somewhere in there, uh, our elders fasted and prayed for 40 days, and we came up with this, what we call 24-7. 
Um, and I've talked a lot about being a 24-7 disciple. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go to our 24-7 series. Mm-hmm. But out of that, we said, God, there's certain things you want us to do to really be disciples and to really be the church you want us to be. Uh, and there were four envelopes that God put into our minds, four kind of like ways of handling resources. One was that we would eliminate debt. And in and, and that period of time, we eliminated a lot of debt for the church. The other is we do an extreme makeover of the church because the church was, uh, I won't get into all the reasons. We were in trouble. We're in shambles. <laughs> it's beautiful today. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful today. Because of that, by the way, that we would have a more effective impact. And that meant that we would uh, add staff so we could reach more people. And we would go into under-resourced areas of corona and we, with what we call adopt-the-block uh, to be even, uh, uh, to make a bigger difference. Uh, by the way, Bill, you're shaking your head. I got to tell you, all you this. Uh, the impact becomes so great, the Corona Norco Unified School District called us up and said, can you go to more blocks? Wow. Oh, wow. Because you're increasing attendance. Are the mm-hmm. kids' grades in that area is going up? And, and again, in an under-resourced area, it's harder for kids yeah. to go to school. And, and so they, that made that kind of effective impact. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. But then came one, empower change. And it would happen in many ways, but in particular in Kenya, where you already saw a video from. We had begun the work in Kenya. We had partnered with the team in Kenya. We had a little tiny piece of property where our school was. And uh, the kids were crowded in like you can't imagine. Matter of fact, uh, an area as big as this carpet might have 75 kids in it, sure. you think? Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. more even. Mm-hmm. All jam- in hot rooms and, and no uniforms or anything, by the way. In one of the worst slums in all the world. I mean, it was where the poorest of the poor lived with no hope. And... and People were dying at very, very, very young ages. And so we kept looking at what we were doing and said, can we do better? Can we do more? And uh, Pam and I happened to be in Kenya uh, and we were standing there and there's a particular gate that we had to protect our children because again, it was a very scary place to live. And, And when the kids that we did allow into the school came in, we would shut the gate. And I want to show you guys a picture of what was on the other side of that gate. I want you to look at that. That's children who wanted in. That's children who were begging for hope. That's children who needed food. They would do anything to go to school. Anything to go to school. And so our elders, we got together on that 40-day fast and we said, we're going to take down the gate. Now, that was a symbolic term. We have to have protection for the kids. Mm -hmm. But the idea was we're not going to have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of children with no hope. Mm -hmm. And so because of our vision, because of what we did, then what happened is we were able to purchase new property. We were able to build bigger (laughs) schools. I can't even already say it. But see, and you guys, in the video you saw, that was the bigger one. Mm That was the nicer one. That was what's happened because people in this church got on fire for the Lord and because our leaders followed that pray, then plan way of living, that, that promise from the Old Testament. Let me tell you, that's for you. 
I, before you ever make a plan, you should pray. You should pray about it. You should pray, God, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to take that, to make that step? Uh, I keep picking on Tracy and not really picking on her, but Tracy's like living this out. And so I got to tell him what happened because at first it didn't make sense. Sure. So, um, so I want to get solar. Me and my sister want to get solar on our, on our house. And so we went and we researched, you know, a bunch of different companies got a lot of quotes and then we felt really good about this one quote. And so uh, we were praying about it, but for some reason, like we felt this pressure. So we signed with uh, this company, but I was just not feeling settled. And so I was like, all right, God, I don't know why I don't feel good about this, but if there's something like reveal it to me because I have a three day window to, to get out of this. And so I prayed real hard the first two days. And on the second day, um, it became very apparent why I wasn't feeling good about it. And God just totally came in in an out-of-the-blue way with, with why we shouldn't go through with this, uh, with this specific quote that we got. And so we were able to cancel. But I remember coming and telling you, man, I just love Jesus so much because I didn't feel good. And I was like, all right, God, I know that you're going to let me know why I don't feel good. I'm just going to pray about it, and you're going to come through. And he just always comes through. And I was feeling so good. I was telling you I love Jesus because he always comes through. Yeah. And see, interestingly, Paul said that the Old Testament gives us instruction for our lives. Mm -hmm. And so one of those instructions is the idea that you know you don't trust in, in, in your own understanding. You pray about everything. Mm -hmm. By the way, let me tell you this. I pray about everything. <laughs> like I pray when I get up in the morning about my day. Mm -hmm. I pray about where I'm going to go to eat. I pray about which grocery store to go to. Uh, and I do. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, in this area, you could go like four or five. And I pray, God, which one, one do you want me to go to? I even pray about what time do you want me to go there? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I am not kidding you. I mean, I come, how many times have I walked in and said, oh my gosh, look what happened today right. yeah. because of that very, very moment. Mm -hmm. And so you guys, I've watched that happen over and over again where you might think it's a little thing. Mm -hmm. Like just the other day, I felt God, um, I said, I, Lord, I really want to think I'm going to either go to Costco or Sam's Club. And I felt like, no, it's Sam's Club. Then I was getting ready to go and it had to be a different time. And then what happened is I went at the time I felt God told me, and I ended up having church in the meat section. <laughs> it was, I was with all these guys who go to Crossroads. It's like we were having church, man, and uh, buying great meat. Uh, but, but, but you might say, well, is it really a big deal? Those little things turn huge. Not getting solar in that moment could be bigger than you think. Uh, does God care about Tracy's solar? Yes. Does he care about which company she gets it from? Yes. And you know what? You got to trust your heavenly father with those kind of things. That's one of those promises that are yours in the Old Testament. And so we need to cling to that. We need to hold that. We need to know that's true. So what I want you to know is these promises are for all the children of Abraham. So I want to dig into this before we stop. Uh, grab hold of this. Uh, Abraham has children by birth. In other words, they are part of his lineage. They're a part of his DNA. He has children by adoption. That's us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the Jewish people are God's chosen people by birth. And some might say, does God still love the Jewish people? Well, listen to what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 1. It says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? He's talking about the Jewish nation. May it never be. 
And Paul says, for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Uh, Elijah got so mad at Israel, he's like, burn them all. (laughs) He's like, get rid of them. And God said, nope, they're my children. And they're children of Abraham. They're the chosen people. Uh, even when they're messing up, they're still the chosen people. By the way, quick parenthesis, even when we're messing up, mm-hmm. we're still children of God. And so listen to what Paul goes on to say down in 25, verse 25. He says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, so you don't, won't think more of yourself than you should. That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until... The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved just as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins from the standpoint of the gospel, they're enemies of your, for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, what is he talking about? God said, I will never reject my chosen people. I will never turn my back on them. But right now in our days, there's a hardening until the Gentiles are brought in, until we actually get to become more a part of the family of God. One of the great signs in the last days we're yet to see that's coming our way is a great revival in Israel. We're going to see the Jewish people turn to Jesus. In Zechariah, it says they're going to look up on him whom they have pierced and mourn, like someone mourns for an only son, because they're going to mourn for the only begotten son of God. And so whenever I'm in Israel and I'm walking around, I'm like, they're going to turn, they're going to turn. You know, it's going to happen. It's coming. And so they are children by birth. Now catch this. God also has children by adoption. And that's us, all of us who are Gentiles. But when a child gets adopted, they get everything the natural child gets, right? So like, you know, uh, uh, if Tracy, the Pam and I were to adopt you, then we would give you part of the inheritance my sons would get. Mm. Probably more. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but, but because a child by adoption gets everything, right? And when that, if you guys adopted a child, wouldn't you give that child the same love you right. give the, your birth child? Mm-hmm. You give it the same inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's who God is as a father. Yeah. And in Galatians 3, 6, it says, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, because Abraham was so believing, mm-hmm. therefore, be sure that those who are of faith, who are sons of Abraham, be sure everyone who is of faith is the son of Abraham, whether by birth or by adoption. It says the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jews by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. So see, part of the reason those promises in the Old Testament are yours and are mine. Why? It's because we become children of Abraham by adoption. And so we get all the promises the Jewish people get. We get everything that he, he promises to them. So the promises of the Old Testament are yours. And you need to be reading the Old Testament, studying the Old Testament, clinging to it. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Paul says on in Galatians chapter 3 verse 22. I'm going to read a long section. Follow along. This is so powerful about what God wants you to know. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin 
so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In other words, sin shows us we need a savior. That's what he's saying. And it says the promise for anybody who will believe in Jesus. Then he goes, but before faith came, we were kept under custody, under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor. The Old Testament is a tutor showing us where we've sinned, showing us where we're wrong, showing us where we need a Messiah. So I study the Old Testament. I see ways that I displease God. I see ways that I'm vile in the sight of God. I see ways that I've come up short from what it means to live in the love of God. And it's a tutor to tell me something. But God still loves you. And you can be free. You can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ if you believe, Mm -hmm. if you really have a commitment to him. And so it's our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under the tutor. Not when we come to faith. Now we're not caught up in the mess of sin. We're not caught up in that any longer. And he says, for all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Mm-hmm. By the way, that what that says is we're all equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all of us are equal. Jew or Greek, slave or free, male mm-hmm. or female. By the way, at Crossroads, do we value women and their leadership? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? That's how we're supposed to be in Christ is there's this amazing equality being children of God. And that's for you too. So we study the entire Bible. And in the Old Testament, we see the need for a Savior. In the New Testament, we see our Savior. Mm-hmm. And, and in the Old Testament, we're giving principles that guide how we live. In the New Testament, we also get principles, but we get the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we live it according to the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old and New Testament, by the way, you get prophecy, <laughs> which we'll get into more later. <laughs> but, but what I want you to know is Jesus even taught that. So after Jesus had risen from the dead, he was on a road waiting for two men to come along whose hearts were broken because their Savior had died. And at first they see Jesus and they don't recognize him. We call it the road to Emmaus because it was a road to a city called Emmaus. And Jesus says to these men, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. He said, aren't you getting what the Old Testament said? Because it's for you. He says, was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into glory? The beginning with Moses, who you said is one of your heroes, which means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, and Deuteronomy. Moses wrote those five books. He said, beginning with those five books that Moses wrote, and with all the prophets, he went to all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What I want to tell you is when you go to the Old Testament, you'll learn so much more about Jesus than you can believe so much more than you, you had any idea was there. And it's all there in every book of the Old Testament, pointing you eventually to the New Testament. And so Peter, in the New Testament, one of the lead apostles of Jesus Christ, gives us this incredible admonition. He says, so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well, to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place. Now he's referring to the Old Testament. He said, you do well. To pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns 
and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the Holy Spirit said is come. He says, come. When we get to the very end of the New Testament, there's a book called Revelation that sums up everything. When you get to the very last chapter in Revelation, it says the Holy Spirit says, come. And if you thirst, Mm -hmm. come. It's a cry that we would tell anybody, if you aren't in a relationship with God, come. Come be a part of the family of God. Come and know God as your father. Come and know Jesus as your savior. Come know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God's very spirit, which will endow you with power from on high. Come be forgiven. Come and be cleansed. Right now, where are you at with the Lord? Because in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a cry of God saying, where are you? In the Garden of Eden, God said, where are you? And in the wonder of heaven, the Holy Spirit says, where are you? Come, come be with me. And God will do anything to have a relationship with you. He did everything that needed to be done to have a relationship with you. So right now, what's going on in your life? Right now, what are you experiencing? And if you're far from God, maybe you've never come to know the Lord or you're, you need to recommit your life, the Holy Spirit says, come and let the day dawn and let God's light arise in your heart. Let his love fill your life. Let him start guiding you. You don't want, let God guide you in your life and give you instruction and show you the steps to take, show you his plans for you. So right now, if you're ready to open your heart to God, what do you do? Will you pray a prayer? And I'm gonna lead that prayer right now. And so if that's you and you need to pray this prayer, pray it with me. But let me pray for you first. Father, I pray right now for anyone who's uh, with us in this moment that needs to know your love, that needs to know that you have a plan for their life, that the Bible is your gift to them to open their eyes to who you are, to getting closer to you, to be more aware of the life they're meant to live. So I pray for them right now, Lord, to know you love them. They may think, does anybody know me? You know them. You know them by name. You know everything about them and you couldn't love them more than you do. And he does love you. So right now, if you're ready to say yes to God or to recommit your life or you just need help, you need help from God or you need healing, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say those words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me. And I pray you'll cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. Do you need some healing right now? Say, God, I need to be healed from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that is holding me down or holding me back. Just say, Lord, free me. But most of all, say these words, say most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. If that's all you can say, just say it. Say, I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me.
So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. And while I, I'm, I'm like the only one clapping, no, you guys are too. But here's what I want to tell you. The angels of heaven are applauding. The angels of heaven are cheering for you. And let me tell you, there's a next step to take. So if you prayed that prayer, you got to do this. Don't hold back. You got to do this. Either go to crossroadschurch.family and click on, I said yes, right? Is that right? Click on, I said yes. First thing that'll pop up or text amen to 77247. Just the word amen, it means the truth. Text amen to 77247. And we're going to get right back to you. By the way, let me tell you this. We're going to get back to you. We want to know your name. We want to know a little bit about you. We want to give you a free book that'll help you grow in your walk with God. We want to be there with you and for you. We want to show you next steps to take that make your life more exciting. So you got to let us know who you are. So go to crossroadschurch.family or text amen to 77247. But I'm hoping that tonight you find God's promises actualized in your life in ways that are incredible, in ways that are amazing. So I, uh, I really hope God blesses you. God bless you and have a great night.